Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 615. Uh, Katie, what are you going to do for Christmas this year? I'm going to be Jewish. (laughs) What? (laughs) What an amazing Christmas you're going to have. Now, uh, in one of your... Uh, and one of your Hanukkah socks, I believe, is what they're That's called. That's what we do, yeah. Um, is uh, is one of the gifts in there that you get Christmas? I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we just I, I don't know. We just get chocolate coins, and dreidels. <laughs> what? Chocolate coins and dreidels. Really? That's yeah, adorable. guilt. And then you play a dreidel and you win the guilt. And then, uh, but then you're going to share the chocolate anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, well, it depends if I get. I, I forget how to play dreidel, so I don't remember which is which. I think gimel is when you get them all. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the, each of the little symbols means something. So one of them you have to like give one, one you take half, and one you take all. I haven't played it in years, so I can't remember. You're listening to Dreidel Talk here on the <laughs> Nerdist Network. But you made it out of clay, I thought. Yeah, you can make one out of clay. You can also <laughs> buy them at Target. Um, what I do. No, are you, what are you going to do for the holidays? I'm going up north. You, go, you are going to go up mm-hmm. north, Northern California? Mm-hmm. Really? That's where people can see KT Money just walking around the streets. I'll be there with Scout. I'm driving up. Oh, mm-hmm. Scout. Well, I hope you guys have a nice holiday season and a good and a good New Year's. You this too. has been a fun it's been a fun year of podcasts. Pretty crazy year of podcasts, actually. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna top this one. I, I don't know. We've gotten some really crazy guests <laughs> this year. Should we just hang it up now? <laughs> <laughs> when I tell people we've gotten, they're just like, Are you kidding what? me? How do you do that? <laughs> Uh, no, we'll we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying, and then I keep saying it. More hostfuls for next year, and then I gotta go on the tour, the Fun Comfortable tour. Go to funcomfortabletour.com. You should have something to promote. What do you want to promote? Um, listen to all the other podcasts on the network. We have so many good ones. We have Chewing It with Kevin and Steve. We have, which is the guys from Broken Lizard or Super Troopers and Beer Fest, and that yes. one is so much fun. And they get amazing guests. I love that show so much. They're hilarious. Those guys are hilarious. Yeah, and like, then we have Kurt Brownoller. Kurt Brownoller. Uh, he took a little break because he got married and went on a honeymoon, but he's back, and his is really Ugh, fun. Getting in the way of making podcasts. <laughs> How dare you, Kurt? And then we have you know twelve year old Gil, who's yep. great. So we have we have so many other podcasts, and I would love for people to listen to more of them. See, that's the holiday spirit right there. You're promoting other people's things yes. instead of instead of I your work own. very hard on them. That's good. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, you're adorable. All right. Um, the, and I don't mean that in a in a in an arrogant way. I mean like it's I, I like seeing you get super excited about all the no, all, all, all the stuff you make. Uh, we could not do any of this without you, Katie Levine. 
So please don't go away for Christmas and then be like, I, you know, I don't want to do podcasts anymore. <laughs> All right. When I say Christmas, I mean Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Or holidays. Yeah. Or New Year's. God damn it. I violated like six politically correct things now, Katie. What am I supposed <laughs> to do? Uh, this episode is a young actor by the name of Jack O'Connell, who's a strikingly handsome young bloke. With some great acting chops at his young age. He's in a movie called Unbroken in theaters Christmas Day. Christmas, Katie, is when we celebrate um, <laughs> the birth of... Wasn't that Jesus the Jew? Y- y- okay, no, I hear what you're saying. No, I, I see where you're going with that. He was the king of the Jews. Yeah, maybe you weren't... Uh, maybe you didn't know. He uh, was one of my people? Yeah, so you probably should have killed him. Yeah, you probably should have killed him. We, uh, oops. I don't know. <laughs> Katie, we gotta have you on the show more. We have to have you on the show more. Uh, <laughs> unbroken, unbroken, uh, directed by Angelina Jolie. Here's Nurse Podcast number 615 with Jack O'Connell. <laughs> Now entering Nerdist.com. I, I guess I tell people that so I don't show up and they're like, did he put on makeup to come do a podcast? Which is an audio-only experience. Jack, how are you? We've started. This is it. There's no official start to the podcast. Oh, you just walked in the door. I literally just walked in. And you're already... Did they tell you I'm, I'm time savvy? Did yeah, this is going to be perfect. Work? This will be the perfect amount of time. We'll have you out of here at 7 p.m. Okay, that's why you're on form then. <laughs> uh, how are you in the... First of all, how are you? No complaints. No, no complaints. Has this been a flurry for you the past? Yeah, quite, quite the world. Quite the world. But enjoyable. It's a great way to see the country. Oh, where, where uh, have you seen so far? Uh, well, I was on this trip, LA to New York and back. Oh, wow, that's cool. It's not a great deal. I think I've seen some of Las Vegas uh, <laughs> out the window. Yeah, you just on my way down. That's a good way to see a part of Las Vegas. Did you have you, have you been to Vegas yet? Uh, no, I haven't. No, no. So that was that was the safest vantage point, I think. What do you What do you know of Vegas? I'm curious to know what the legends of Las Vegas are to people who've never been. Uh, apparently, you can see Elvis there. You can see Elvis. Can yeah, see he's Elvis still alive. Before, man. Yeah, lots of him. Uh, and you get married on the same night. <laughs> That's right. And uh, yeah, lots of casinos. But I'm, I'm quite a big boxing fan. Yeah. So I think I can see myself going out there one time for a big, a big bill. Yeah, you go to MGM Grand, see Mayweather punch someone in the face. Numerous times. Did you ever, did you box? Did you ever box yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got an interest in it for that reason, I think. Because I'll never become a boxer. So I've got, I find myself finding it quite fascinating, actually. What you have to do is get cast as a boxer in something and then you'll kind of get to box. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of flirted with that a little kind of scratched the surface but I never really fulfilled it yeah. in the ring but I wonder if the fact that I've kind of played a boxer before might put me out the running for 
new a project. I think it's, it would be. It's kind what of if a you, catch-22, isn't it? What if you just said your agent, like, only boxing projects from now on? <laughs> Do you think they would be cool with that? Or are they like, you're <laughs> mental? I don't know. They might consider me predictable. <laughs> <laughs> so let, where are you from? The UK. The very central regions of the UK. A place called Derby. Uh-huh. I think maybe I've been through there. If I, if, I were to, if I went from London and just drove north, would I hit Derby? Yeah, if you'd probably take the M1, mm-hmm. which kind of divides the country east to west a little. And yeah, there'd certainly be a junction for you, but I don't think you go through. You go through the, the Shire, mm-hmm. which is Derbyshire, yeah. the county, uh, but the city itself's a little way from the, the M1. And what's, so in a word, no. What's, what's, what's Derby known for? Like, what's its thing? Uh, it's, it's got quite an ancient history, which gets overlooked often, I find. Uh, so more more so nowadays, it's famous for engineering and, and railroad links. Hmm. Um, so yeah, whereas before, well before it was quite a, a, a vibrant, you know, thriving uh, town. It, it, a lot of people used to stay overnight in Derby while while they were travelling from the north to the south. Yeah, this is before the days of the, the train system and roads as we know it. So yeah, allegedly it's the most haunted city in the UK. <gasps> Really? Apparently, yeah. What, yeah. what was your? Did you? Was your house haunted when you were growing? You know, I never experienced anything in particular. But my my house wasn't particularly old either. Uh, my my area was pretty old, but I, I didn't live in the old part of it. Um, but I, yeah, I did experience something once. What happened? That, well, there was a TV show that were filming live in a, a haunted part of the old part of the area I'm from, and I was all the way in a newer area. Uh, but watching this program as they were recording live, right? And it was, it was live feed. And there was a fella there who's pre- pretty renowned for pretending to get possessed. Okay. And he, it's a weird he, thing to be known for. He, uh, he calls himself a medium, so I guess sure. it falls within his art history. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, he was doing it. He was up to his usual antics. And then and my CD player, no word of a lie, the light on it would glow and fade as he'd talk, every, every, like, as if it would, was measuring the volume that he was speaking at, would glow. And so I called my dad up, my dad came running up. He, it defied his explanation too. He just unplugged it, and then the thing gradually faded out. But I, I don't know what that was to this day. It just, it just happened. I don't know if the electricity tripped or whether, whether I finally had contact. I think you had contact with CDs themselves who were saying, we're about to die and be overtaken by digital music. Yeah, this was before the day and age of Apple technology as well. <laughs> Maybe it was an early warning. Do you miss... I remember... How old are you? 24? Yeah. You're 24. So I don't know if you were... I guess you're old enough to remember this, but there was a time, Jack, where if you wanted to listen to something, you had to plan on what music to bring with you in everyone's car... I mean, I remember cassette tapes and eight-track tapes, but I'm a lot older than you. But even CDs, you'd have to put them in sleeves in a notebook mm-hmm. and then rifle through. It was a deadly process to pick a song. Yeah, otherwise it would just CDs everywhere. <laughs> All over the car. Uh-huh. Scratched up. No, I'm, f- I'm from the cassette tape generation. Oh, you are? Yeah, yeah. I got a D12 Purple Pills okay. on, on cassette very early. <laughs> the cassette tapes are... Uh... Katie, I hate to tell a baby to shut up, but can you go ask the baby to shut up? <laughs> Very kindly. Just, just tell them we're recording in here and that it's... Uh... 
part of me wants the baby to join in. <laughs> I think it, in theory, that would be fun. In practice, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. It was funny. That, like, the minute you went out to be like, excuse me, baby, can you thump? The baby just, like, ran up the wall. Which you think would stop a normal baby. Like, once a baby hits a wall, usually they're good for a little while. Is this some kind of crazy mutant super baby? Wait, wait. You guys saw the baby too, right? Were we just haunted by the ghost of a weird baby? What if you went out there and there's just no one there? Would you shit your pants, Katie? <laughs> like, you hear the crying and the thought on the wall. Let's just pretend for people listening, like, what do you mean there was no fucking baby outside? So, you're in Derbyshire, and... I literally just lost my fucking mind because I did not see that baby right as that joke door started doing that. Okay, all right, everything's fine. It was a real human live baby, not a weird ancient baby. That literally scared the shit out of me. I was not expecting that. And, and such precision, that baby knew which door to run to. This generation of smart babies is really fucked up. Uh, Jack, I'm so sorry. It's gone here really quiet out there now. So. <laughs> uh, the, the thing about a baby that'll stare at you with black doll eyes. <laughs> um, so you're in Derbyshire, and at what point do you start saying, you know, I think I want to be a performer, or was there something else you wanted to do, or what, what, what in your young life made you decide, like, this is something that I can actually do? Well, I got lucky because uh, I went to a secondary school for nor- normal trivial reasons or religious reasons uh, because <laughs> it was a Catholic school. And But the, uh, the, the coincidence is that that school then decided to uh, specialise in performing arts while I was there, which then made drama compulsory okay. twice a week. So with that said, I guess it was forced upon me one way. Or another, and then I was warm into it because I wasn't being sent out or disciplined because my outlandish nature would have been welcomed within drama as opposed to uh, shunned like in all the other lessons. Right. Or topics, subjects. So, yeah, and then they referred me to the, this, this acting workshop group uh, organisation that was in a neighbouring city. And, and then so I, I went for the audition at this group on, from the school's reference and got into the group and, and they, they kind of took it a little bit more seriously or had the opportunity, provided the opportunity for you to audition and, and you know, break through professionally. So it seemed like a, you know, a, a, a possi- possibility, a reality. And this was at the age of 13. So I guess that's when I started taking it seriously or... or or wanting to become an actor, perhaps. So if you hadn't had this compulsory performing arts program, what do you think you... I mean, first of all, I think that's a good reason for why schools should have performance art programs. Like you, mm-hmm. What do you think you would have gotten up to otherwise? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pr- pretty sketchy, the alternative uh, outlook. I'd like to think that one way or another I'd have figured it out, but uh, I dread to think that I'd perhaps still just be stuck in Derby. Yeah. Uh, you know, with uh, you know perhaps too much energy or an imagination that I wasn't fulfilling. Perhaps, perhaps I don't know. Hopefully, something practical, but I can't really, I can't confirm that. So, what in your mind, like, how do you define success? 
because you've had a tremendous amount of success in the short time that you've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is it? Does that mean anything to you or for you? Is it just you just want to keep being challenged as a as a performer or what or what is success to you? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I think first and foremost, good question. And it's, it's something that obviously I'll probably uh, ask myself a lot, you know, because I'm still trying to work it out. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'd hate to find myself in a point of complacency mm-hmm. with the work that I've already done. Uh, that's potentially frightening. But I, I don't know. There's, there's people I feel like I'm indebted to, that, you know, I owe a lot to. And if, if I should be fortunate enough to, you know, uh, hopefully help them feel a sense of my achievement directly, whether that's my mother, sister, if I can help the people around me, uh, then I, I, that's what I'll be basing my version of success on anyway. Um, yeah, I, I've, I, I've noticed I feel a sense of fulfilment in the things I do for people. So, so yeah, hopefully re- repeat more of the same there. And and it's great, you know, the, the busier I get, the more influence I, I get to have on the work that I choose to do and the work that I choose not to do. So I ho- hopefully I'm in a position of control as well at some point. That's what I think success is, mate. Yeah, and it's hard, though, because you... you um, the control thing, it's, very, it's really hard to ever feel like, aha, I'm fully in control, you know? But I do think that if... Um, if the way that you sort of define, not that you asked me, but I think the way that you sort of define success, and if that is like, well, just being happy and helping people, and like, then it doesn't really matter how things do. Some projects are going to do well. Some aren't going to do well. But as long as you're able to keep doing things that are creatively fulfilling, you know, I think that's, that's a good place to be. But I think some people just get so nervous, like, oh, if I do this, I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to be rich anymore. I might not be famous anymore. Like, and those are bad those are bad things to chase after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 24, so I, I wouldn't suggest that I've challenged myself to the the, the furthest extent. That I, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I'm quite quite excited to see where 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 all these new perhaps up and coming challenges might 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 put me eventually. But that that was from enjoying Unbroken, the film we just shot, and spending a lot of time feeling very uncomfortable. Uh, I'm no stranger to that now, so looking forward to the next one. Do you think it's important to <coughs> the way that you say feeling uncomfortable? What was what was the what was the process that she? Because Angelina Jolie directed the movie. Yeah. What 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 does that mean that you spent all that time feeling uncomfortable? Well, a lot a lot of time dieting and not necessarily prioritizing my needs or you know, uh, you know so uh, for example, hunger. There was a lot of hunger involved. Um, a lot of perhaps feeling inadequate and um, particularly when we were portraying Louis at his weakest you know he was getting physically abused in the, these war camps and the, 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 the real real life events that we were trying to recreate meant that I had to be on the receiving end sometimes of the odd beating or you know it, it wears you down so like I said I got, I got used to or accustomed to feeling uh, like pretty tested like I guess on a daily basis for so long that you kind of forget your own needs and desires for a bit sure so that's what I'm looking forward to and just to go back to the question as well regarding success I I think 
I think it might be dangerous to envision the the whole scheme of things because I, I don't know, it's dangerous. I think just to, to whittle it down and and have your sights set on your next task at hand. Yeah, that that helped. Or hearing that advice anyway helped me to dissect it all better. Do you because uh, you worked on Skins too, right? Yeah, yeah. So you now there's a show that's portraying sort of the gritty realism of teenage life, right? Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, I'd say it was, yeah, yeah. So, you know, is, does, does that type of project, and then Unbroken too, does, it, does that type of project where you're really kind of like, this is sort of the dirty, gritty side of, of storytelling, you know, where this is sort of, may not be, like you said, as comfortable, but this is a much more real portrayal of, like, is that, is that as a performer the type of role that you, that you really, really want to seek out? Um, yeah, perhaps more so in the early stage of my career, but uh, I, 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 part of that was trying to play to my strengths, I guess, and figure out what was available to me. You know, because it's it's a vast a vast bracket, isn't there? From you know, there's a whole spectrum between perhaps musical performance and neorealism drama, and there's a whole spectrum in between there of things for me as a performer I find attractive. And I wouldn't like to close any doors, man. I'd love to think that I was one day, perhaps, you know, realistically going to be considered for, for you know, West End roles, mm-hmm. Broadway roles. So, so the idea, you know, the fact that Unbroken perhaps might open doors for me is great. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into any particular category of actor, ideally, you know. Do you think uh, Angelina's background as an actor helped her understand how to communicate with actors as a director? Yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt. But I, th- I think that's also, once you're on a film set and you, you suss out the ins and outs and, and how things, uh, you know, the mechanics of, of how things uh, work, um, I, I've, I, I can relate to. I, I know what I know about filmmaking from my experiences on set not being in a classroom environment or a school environment, uh, just just being able to learn on the job, as mm-hmm. it were. I, I suggest that's the same sort of thing, but, you know, but to a, a greater extent with, with Angelina. Yeah. What do you think you... What do you think you've learned on your last few projects? Because obviously you can't... You can't be on a project for any length of time and then not come through it and go, oh, okay, I guess I learned this. You know, like, what did you learn about yourself in the last couple of projects? Yeah, a, a great deal, a, a great, particularly because of the time it came at as well. You know, twenty three to twenty four, uh, sort of right in the midst of adolescence, still <clears throat> uh, finally considering myself a man, I guess. And so, uh, I, I was somewhere in, in my thinking, I was aware that if if I could pull this off, um, that then. I could move forward with, you know, a perhaps a, a more manly sense of pride about myself. If you see what I'm trying to make, maybe a coming of age, mm-hmm. if you will. So, um, yeah, I, I was excited for that. And I, like I say, I knew I had to endure a lot and put my desires and personal needs, childish desires uh, aside, just just while we completed the task at hand. And it was mountainous, the task. So we, we needed to commit fully. 
I, I, there's a lot. There's that structure there. Is there's a a, a lot of uh, I don't know. It's a very useful structure to know. Very use, useful equation. Working out. Um, just not prioritising myself for a certain amount of time, just for the sake of a job. And in our case, someone else, Louis Zamperini. I can feel its benefits, you know? Yeah. So as a 24-year-old, I feel very fortunate to have experienced something as uh, informative as that. So you said that these were based on real events. Do you feel more pressure when something is actually has actually happened in the world and you and you have to you know essentially respect the people who are involved who actually live through it like do you feel more sense of responsibility mm. as opposed to when it's fictionalized mm. i mean maybe one distinction for us is that there's not a great deal of footage of, of uh, young louis as a kid when i was portraying him so uh, the jury's out there you know I, I was able to fill in some gaps it just had to uh, I guess in order for his family to approve, especially, it just had to encapsulate some essence of the man. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to their feedback anyway, I managed to do that. So, yeah, I guess the pressure is different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that it's any more or less than an actor inventing a, a role or a character, for example. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of idolised the idea of showing the film to him in a theatre... Uh, be able to see his reaction and get his feedback directly. So unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But I didn't know this when we were on set. I just assumed it would be the case, and and I felt motivated by that. So I guess it works both ways. Did you? Uh, are you? Are you good with all of the? Because obviously, the more projects you have to do, the higher profile stuff. You're going to have to start dealing with more of the fame thing and the all that crap. Does that? Is that weird for you, or do you, can you manage it okay, or is it head trippy? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I, I think it's on the individual. I don't really buy into it too much. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too curious to the things that I could do to help embellish that side of things, if you see what I mean. Uh, I've made a career or gained a reputation as an actor who works hard uh, and, and has an understanding at least. So as long as I just focus on that reputation, everything else should just fall into place as a bio-product. Thankfully, I've got a good team of people around me as well who I feel like I actually trust. So that'll be useful, and we're looking to improve that team. And then we've got something almost similar to an entourage there. (laughs) But I do, I think it's important to surround yourself with realistic people who also have a similar perspective on, Mm -hmm. on that element. Otherwise, you might be susceptible to all sorts and... But yeah, it's it's a real issue. It is potentially a real issue, but one that I'm nervous about. So hopefully, I'll pay attention. Well, yeah, I think I think the important thing is having real people around you who actually care, give a shit about you, and not what you can do for them. And then I think then you're then you're kind of safe. But mm-hmm. I just when I was 24, I did not really have. I was not able to focus. I was I did not have a good work ethic. So when I meet someone who's who's your age who understands that concept. I'm always fascinated by it because I didn't have it. So it, was it just ingrained? Were you always that way or was your family? Did they infuse you with those values? Mm. Well, I don't know. I started, I started partying perhaps well younger than legal like a lot of people do. Sure. Uh, and, and I don't know. I, f- I felt, feel like um, all of those sort of distractions. I mean, I'm not at college or I don't have 
I, I, my, my working schedule can be quite hectic, so perhaps I have to sort of lead the life more more akin to someone older than my age for that all to be compatible and doable, especially when you take on you know, the portrayal of someone like Louis. There's no way I can lead that life and be a youngster still trying to explore. So thankfully, I do feel like as a kid, uh, we kind of got a lot done. Um, you can start drinking a little bit earlier in Britain, so maybe that helps, but... No, I, 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 I prefer the the level of euphoria I gain from working hard and fulfilling and everything that comes in and around that. It means that in my own time, when, in my time off, I can just spend my, whatever is my time with, with good people around me because it's accessible. Because, for want of a better phrase or uh, perhaps a more appropriate stance on things, because of the, the the affordability of it, yeah, I get paid to do something I love, so I fulfil myself there. I've I've got no real need then to go down strip clubs or partying or whatever, you know, all, all the other usual tendencies. I don't know. I'm, I feel quite thankful that that's not, uh, yeah, that's not a problem of mine. You know, the more the more you work the more, uh, the less free time you're going to have. So you know you'll probably be in a place where at some point you'll go, shit, I have to schedule leisure time, which just seems, it's a very strange concept to have to understand, but mm-hmm. is it important for you to take breaks in between projects? Or do you, are you like, no, one right after the other, I got to go right into the next <laughs> thing? Uh, I don't know. Like, I've never had the luxury of choice. So all of my schedules or calendars... I've just been based on what's available at the time. So, but that, that's in order to build myself, as I say, a reputation so that productions, you know, want to help me out a little bit more with my, as you say, leisure time. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I, I, I don't know. Hopefully one thing benefits the other. But, yeah, now, now I'm having conversations about breaks all of a sudden for the first time in my career. They're actually fa- factoring in my leisure time, which is brilliant. <laughs> you know what's great about it is that you don't when you plan it you don't have to feel bad about it because you're not being lazy it's just it's a necessary thing to do mm-hmm. I only just learned this mm-hmm. it's a necessary thing to do in between work chunks like oh well I'm doing this so that I can be better when I go back to work mm-hmm. does it not does it not like kind of take the novelty off it though like that it's on a schedule still no I know it seems I'll tell you this it definitely seems less sexy because it it feels like well this wasn't spontaneous, but I'm telling you, when you're actually in it, you you'll appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back to work and you're not your brain isn't melted because you didn't take a break, you'll appreciate it. So it's just it's unfortunately I think that's the best word to use that it's not as it's not as sexy as just like I'm just gonna fucking leave for a week and who cares, but it, I think it's a responsible. It's sort of a Unfortunately, it's just kind of like a grown-up thing, you know, where you're like, no, I have to schedule this leisure time so that I can keep my sanity. Because especially as a, you know, if you're, I mean, look, I mean, it's not like building a railroad, I know, but it mentally it's a strain when you're going from one character to the next character to the next character to the next character. You know, you're still feeling those emotions to a very large degree, so you have to... You have to scrub that off mm-hmm. somehow because mm-hmm. you'll start to go crazy. <laughs> still convincing myself this, so, too, because I still feel guilty, you know, if I'm ever inactive. I had an inactive day today, 
Yeah. You could probably tell in my voice. And I feel guilty. Well, you shouldn't. I think part of that is just that, um, in, in, my, in my experience, part of that is that as a performer, you never know when you're going to get work. And so you're always thankful when you get work. Mm-hmm. And when you're not working, your brain tells you that you're doing something wrong. Like you're not pursuing work or you've turned down work or you're not doing this. But, you know, it's, it's helpful if you can take a step back and look at everything. Okay, I finished this. I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm doing this other thing very soon and it's okay. Like you, it's, you, don't have to feel, you don't have to feel bad. I mean, like if a month goes by and you're still staring at the ceiling, then maybe you should go, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. <laughs> but in general... You shouldn't, you know, it's good to have that fire in your belly. Like you want to keep working and you want to stay motivated. But every mm-hmm. once in a while, you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, that was a dark month. That was a dark month. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Before. What do you do when you have a day off? Uh, well, it depends what it's in between. Um, you know, because you, there's an actor in work. So you're on set a lot. Uh, and on Unbroken, I was just in bed, you know. Again, I was just busy doing nothing. But that's because I was either dieting or, uh, or, or if oh actually I was either playing the Olympian. I was either playing Louis Week or Louis Strong. So if I was playing in Week, I just stayed in bed uh, on my days off on on that job because the outside world came with all sorts of temptations mm-hmm. involving food and you know everything else, and I, I couldn't really entertain it. So uh, when I was playing Louis Strong, I was I was in the gym. I was in the gym a lot because apparently that's good too, you know, even on your rest days just to either do nothing or do something light. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it kind of falls into, into the schedule again. I'd, l- I'd love to talk to you about the, the extended periods that sure. I have off. yeah. But I don't know how censored this programme is. It's not censored at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I, I just, it depends. It, it depends if I've got a role coming up. Then that requires preparation. Like right now, I'm doing press. Yeah. I had a day off yesterday, so I treated myself to nothing. Nice. Did nothing in bed. Uh, so yeah, but that, 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 or that's not even true, actually. Because I read, I had to read script yesterday. So it creeps in. Even your days off get tampered with work, tampered by work. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently preparing at the moment. So I don't even know if that counts as a day off. What's something that you are, you were, as you've started to work more, because things are going very well right now, what's something about this whole process that you didn't expect that you're learning about it? Oh, the press side of things, I guess. Yeah. Like, this is the most talking I've done uh, in the last fortnight. I've never spoken to anyone to this sort of scale. And... Well, well, the most difficult part is none of these people are staying in touch with me. <laughs> I'm having these in-depth conversations with so many people, but no one's really sticking by me. God, it sucks. Just, just Laura. Well, someone can see she's losing interest now. Jack, I'm in it. <laughs> no, she's not. Are you playing Candy Crush over there, Laura? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm in it. <laughs> it's, Laura's busy all day working, but if you saw her phone, it was like Angry Birds, Candy Crush. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know, Jack, that's a travesty that all these people are asking all these questions. I'm going to yeah. email every once in a while and go, Jack, how are you? Are you feeling okay? That'd be great. Things good. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, man, I'm disclosing all this personal stuff to people and well, it's such not a, nothing back. It's such a, not even just a physically nomadic lifestyle, but you've chosen an emotionally nomadic lifestyle where you're just inhabiting these things 
for a brief period of time and then moving on and then and then something else. So But then you move on and then something else. Yeah. And then the thing you just did before gets released. So you have to go back to that dark place that you thought you was once over. That place you thought you'd conquered once. You just it has you have to put it to one side and realise that if you're gonna do a press tour with it, you're gonna have to revisit it one way or another. Yeah. You know? Like I, I could talk about Louis until I'm blue in the face. But it's getting to the point where I'm feeling a bit blue in the face. Sure. Mm. Sure. Especially, you know, are you... So when you finish a project, how soon before you can sort of get rid of all the emotional stuff that you felt? Like, how do you, when, when do you feel normal again? I don't know. I, 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 because, like I say, I, I've not been doing it that long uh, consistently. Um, I consider it important to just as soon as you rap, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because you might go to a rap party. And then you have the opportunity to finally speak to everybody without a schedule and, you know, without an agenda. Yeah. Um, so I, particularly by the time I get home, I, I, I hope to be able to engage with all my people as a person they, they knew me as. Yeah. Have you had the same group of friends your whole life? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. I mean, I still keep in touch with, with the people that uh, I still hang around with from school. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what I didn't expect either was to, to make as many friends as I, I have do, doing the job. Um, I think I'm very fortunate that the majority of people involved in this line of work are actually quite cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, they, they certainly take the edge off anyway. Particularly, as I say, when you are promoting previous work, it's been great to see all the boys from, from the cast. Um... And so with that said, you know, it can be enjoyable, I guess. It can, it can be, the, particularly the press. you just got to accept it as part of, part of your, your, your day-to-day. Excuse me, do you live in London normally? Yeah. And so uh, are you auditioning for, for stuff that's mainly uh, British productions or are you are coming back to audition here? Or how, how, does, how does the film business work that way? Uh... So I've got people representing me this side of the water, and then there's still my, my ties at home. So hopefully I'm, I'm I'm able to keep an eye on both sides of the business. Yeah. Or or you know, both both versions. Uh, so usually, if I'm based in London, it means anything that's that's state or US based. Uh, I'm putting myself on tape for doing a self tape first. And then sending that over and hopefully getting a response there. But yeah, it does make meetings over here a little bit more difficult. But um, a lot of the time, casting directors and directors pop over to London anyway, just to see who's there. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it seems to have become easier since... Yeah, we like to mine England for its performers. Mm-hmm. We like to, you know... You're British. You'll be one of our fucking superheroes in no time. Like, all of our superheroes are British. Uh-huh. Well, I can't complain. <laughs> it, suits, it suits me. Who would, you, would, you ever, would you ever want to do, like, a, like a big-budget superhero film? Hey, look, like I say, I, I, there's that spectrum. Musical theatre, neorealistic film. Let's use that as a goalpost. Anything that falls between there, if it's integral... It's a decent script, decent director, etc. Then, as a performer, I can't turn my nose up at it, even if it does require tights and a cape, <laughs> which all superheroes must have. Apparently, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you have to wear tight clothing. Maybe, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can create something. We can be the start of something, a superhero without a. Maybe, maybe he wears tights for a cape and a cape, cape for a. <laughs> or just really baggy clothes. Yeah. Captain Dobby, sure. Like you could be. <laughs> You could just be a superhero for a very specific region. <laughs> just one. If anything happens, like, no, fuck off, that's Kent, or whatever. Like, you just don't care what whatever the other towns are doing. It's like, you're just there. Patrolling Derby. Just patrolling Derby. Because it's so haunted. Uh-huh. You gotta, you gotta punch ghost babies. What about the Ghostbusters? Uh, the Ghostbusters already did it. Yeah, no, but we don't. We could have. We could have British Ghostbusters. You could have just like the Ghostbusters in just Derby. Yeah, and you, that would keep you pretty busy, because I've heard it's incredibly haunted there. I'm not doing it without a cape, though. I want a cape. <laughs> so the most, so what we have learned today is no matter what it is, you absolutely have to have a cape, even if it never makes it on camera. You know what's going to be funny is that you can make that joke offhanded, and then somewhere someone will be like, "Yeah, I heard this thing with Jack, and he just like he just wants to work with capes." You're going to start getting all these weird cape offers now, mm-hmm. and you're and you're going to have to sift through the right one for you. Sort of, that's why I came here tonight. <laughs> and I had an agenda. Would you want to do, uh, do you, what type of films did you like when you were growing up? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion I never really had the attention span for movies as a kid. I couldn't really sit there for a great length of time. So I, it was, if the, the films that managed to stimulate me for a long enough time for them to have an impression on me were. The Lion King, hmm? uh, Peter Pan, um, what was the other one? But already there, we've got two animated movies. Right. Old Fox and the Han- Hound. Mm-hmm. Fox and the Hound had a big impact on me. Um, so, yeah, like, like I say, there's a pattern. Uh, they had to be kind of an- animated when I was a kid. And then as I started get, you know, getting a little bit more wise to the world, uh, things like Home Alone mm-hmm. one yep. arrived on our screen. Intense drama. Home Alone 2. He almost murdered all those those guys trying to break into his house. In real life? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, in the movie, the oh, character was you have horribly to differentiate. sadistic. Remember, I'm an actor, so with an understanding of the process. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you love about Fox and Hound so much? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, it's a wonderful movie. I remember, yeah, fond memories of watching it with my dad. And maybe because we watched it at a Christmas, a particularly enjoyable Christmas, I'm not sure. But I guess that's the same reason for all of them, you know, Home Alone especially. But yeah, they they really got me going, them them films. So one way or another, Macaulay Culkin has in, inspired me as a performer. I'm just probably not... I think we can always, all say that. Yeah. Well, I have to, it's about time I come to that realisation. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that you've come to a place where you're comfortable enough to admit that Macaulay Culkin was... The reason that you got into acting. This is an exclusive. <laughs> it's an exclusive. I, I haven't felt comfortable enough, well enough before to disclose that part of what the- You know what I'd love to see you do is a dramatic interpretation of Home Alone, where you play Kevin McAllister, but it's really <laughs> serious. And you could still have Joe Pesci in it. He's a great actor. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wish I could remember the other guy's name, man. That's Daniel so Stern. Daniel Stern, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I will it. provide any weird, obscure knowledge that you might need. I'm going to remember that for the next interview. <laughs> see, see, really savvy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm game. But I, I think he's probably already got the rights to that, hasn't he? I don't know. Home I mean, Alone, that was uh, Home Alone was uh, Home John Alone. Hughes. 
So I think uh, I think maybe as your career progresses, you need to. That's how you know if you've made it or not. If you could get Home Alone remade as a drama, then you know you are pulling some serious weight in this business. Set in Derbyshire. Set in Derby. Yeah. Ghosts. And- Ghosts trying to break in. So it's like a mashup of Ghostbusters and Home Alone, but it's a dramatic. And then there's a fox and the hound. And there's just, <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing if you could just mash up like everything. And then fucking Peter Pan flies in the window like... Uh. Jack, I'm here to take you off to the land of Never Neverland. I don't. It's like Tim Burton's <laughs> whole, whole sort of coming, how he became Tim Burton. Oh, this was funny. Is that all the I, I the great thing about that is that it didn't seem to be so much. I mean, like obviously, it sounded like you liked the movies, but it sounded like you also liked uh, everything that surrounded the movies, the environment and. And watching it with your dad, and then the holidays and everything. Are you going to get to go home for the holidays this year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, yeah. Uh-huh. good. Uh huh. Excitedly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was in I was in Australia for Christmas last year, which is hot, a bit akin to California. Yeah. Hot, hot winter, um, which is fine. Um, I'm not by any means knocking it, but I, I guess I spent 23 years feeling cold at Christmas. Can can prep. Perhaps. Oh, it's uh, a white Christmas, mate. The sand is white. <laughs> yeah. Get out there. Yeah, sweaty. And, uh, well, I think after 23 years of it, I think there was a bit of a culture shock that I was going through. I was denying it to myself in Australia this time last year, but I'm really craving winter. And you should. What's the weather like right now? I mean, obviously it's cold over freezing, there. Freezing cold, yeah. But is it there. snowing? Is you going to get like white? We had snow, yeah. It's get, we're getting atmospheric at home. So, but it was good. I'd just come back from New York, so that helped me fulfill the the, the winter. You were mm-hmm. reenacting Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. I was. We went to uh, went to the toy store that that Home Alone Two uh, <laughs> spends a lot of time at, and they they've they've made it new. The whole place is newer God and modernized. Why do they have to ruin everything that's good? I know that. You know what I'm gonna do, Jack? I'm gonna send you your very own cheese pizza. Yeah, just like Kevin McAllister got. What's that film he was watching? I don't know if it was a real movie. It was just that dang Merry Christmas, you dirty animal, or whatever that was. And he had the talk boy. (laughs) And then the stupid... Fucking Tim Curry. Tim Curry. But the stupidest adults in the world who were fooled by a tape recorder. That always bothered me even when I was younger. I'm like, I I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I would know if a tape recorder was yelling at me. And I also might recognize... A, ho- a popular holiday movie in that universe. I put it down to the fact that it was the early 90s and humans perhaps weren't able to distinguish between recorded voice. No, you're right. We were much less savvy back then to exactly. various technologies. We have to forgive older generations of this. <laughs> what did you think the 90s was like? We had digital technology then, Jack. It wasn't... <laughs> we weren't... <laughs> we did have a basic understanding at that point. Did you think, like, 1989, people were, like, there was no radio or anything, and then all of a sudden... Have you ever seen... If only you could see my grandma with an iPad. <laughs> that's, that's the scale we're working on. <laughs> so, you, so you'll go back You'll go back for Christmas, and then, of course, on the 24th, the Daleks will attack London, so that's that happens every year at Christmas. Uh, are you a Doctor Who fan at all? 
no, I, no, I, I've never spent Christmas in London either. Oh, okay. So I couldn't tell whether he was being serious. Or no, not. the Daleks will not attack London for reals. Ah. The Daleks are a race of uh, very smart aliens who um, usually attack London around Christmas time on the amazing series Doctor Who, which uh-huh. I thought every British child watched. No, no. God I'm- damn it. Just I'm just the one exception. I think I'm the only Brit. I know that didn't didn't watch it at some stage. Would you ever want to do television, or or do you want to stick strictly in film? Uh, I mean, more television. I know you did television before. Yeah, I've had these conversations before, um, and now I do realise that there is kind of you know there are distinctions between the two, but you, you do sometimes get television that that, that really does break the mould or. Or, you know, those, those things that cinema hasn't yet achieved yeah. somehow. Because there's some brilliant writing within TV. Yeah, there is so, now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not closed-minded at all. At all. <clears throat> so I feel like we've talked a lot about... I think you have a lot of strength in terms of, like, keeping your head on straight. Family's very important. You have a good work ethic. If you're comfortable talking about it, what do you think some of your weaknesses are? Like, what do you still have to work on? Uh... Um. I, oh. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, sometimes I, I have to get back into the um, swing of things. So, you know, like like today, uh, I'm, I'm kicking myself and not being very active, and so it means that this interview, I felt like I've just had a head full of cotton for it. <laughs> so I probably won't listen to it again in my life. Right. Uh, just being embarrassed at that fact. Uh, there's a weakness. Um, because I, I knew tonight was going to happen. I knew that yesterday. So I should have made my relaxation time uh, adhere to what was required now. Uh, what else are my weaknesses? Um, I don't know. I get I get quite agitated a lot. You know, I get, get quite nervous. And so I, I'd like to think that that, that that wasn't permanent. Do you mean in social situations or in, in work situations? More work, you know, more work, especially with this round of press, sure. live TV events and, sure. and what have you. And, and I, like I say, I know that when I've found a groove and I'm not feeling tired, then, uh, then that's fine. I, I, you know, I, I'd, I, I'd quite enjoy myself there, but I don't know my body clock anymore. Yeah. It's somewhere in Sydney still when we did the world premiere. So I just never know how I'm going to feel at that particular moment in time. Yeah. More weaknesses. This is good for me, this is. Uh, yeah, it's almost the end of the year. You'd be making a list, you know, like, how did, what did I do this year? What do I need to work on for next year? Mm. Um, yeah, oh, so, sometimes, I, uh, yeah, I, don't, I kind of don't, don't fully evaluate things the way I should. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes I make make my mind up about something and I move on and think that I've understood it and I haven't. And that can trip you up. I think I think that's a byproduct of being twenty four. I think that's that is all we all do that. I think I did that until I was like thirty five. Okay. <laughs> so there is there is a point after. Yeah, yeah, there is okay. a point after. Well, because I think... 35, yeah. Well, it could be, it could be 25 for you. Who knows? <laughs> but I think what happens is you just get, so you get really impatient. It's like, let's yeah. fucking do this already. And yeah. you already pointed out that you have a short attention span because you said you didn't watch stuff for longer than a few minutes when you were younger. So mm-hmm. it could just be a byproduct of like, let's get on with it, you know. But mm. I can promise you that, you know, 
uh, it'll uh, a few times of doing that and not getting completely desired results, and eventually you'll start going, okay, I'm gonna take my time now mm-hmm. a little bit. It's like I just started wearing contacts, and the first couple days. I just kept trying to put them in really fast, and I kept poking myself in the eye, and it was pissing me off. And I was shouting horrible things at my finger, the uh-huh. worst kinds of things, because I kept poking myself in the eye. And it wasn't until I stopped and really took my time that I actually was able to figure it out, because you just want the results so fast. Yeah. Emphasis on the now. Emphasis on the now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. be happy with the moment. And the, God, I really was not that wise when I was 24. I really wish I had been smarter when I was younger. I fucked up. Jack, I could tell you so many stories that would be like a, like an older guy going like, I'm going to warn you. That's what I'm going to show up for Christmas and be like, you will be visited by three ghosts. <laughs> and basically map it all out for you. But you're already so far ahead. You're so far ahead of the curve already. Uh-oh. You're lucky. Oh, we have five minutes. You got to get out of here. What are you, what, are you doing something fun tonight, or are you going to get to rest? I've got to go do a Q&A. Yeah. So, um, so I've got to go there feeling a bit more articulate. Sure. No, I think you did great today. Really? You know, yeah. you're probably harder on yourself than you need to be. And most people, I can pro- I, here's another lesson that you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time when you're in your head and you think you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, no one else knows that but you. I mean, I think it's still good to expect a lot of yourself, but just know that it's probably, you know, when you said you were cotton-headed and you didn't think you'd ever be able to, it, you didn't come off that way. Oh, okay. So. All right. Well, I don't, again, I don't want to get complacent. So, so, yeah. So just keep moving? Yeah, just keep, just keep grilling myself, keep punishing myself unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Don't punish yourself too hard. Okay. There's, no, there's no valor in, in self-flagellation, Jack. I can promise you that. Just enjoy. This is a wonderful time. These are your, this is your first big press tour. Mm-hmm. The next one will be easier. Yeah. The next movie will be different. different. Emphasis on the now. Emphasis on the now. I'm just going to drink this water. I'm going to enjoy it now, right now. Okay, here we go. Jack's enjoying his water. I can see by his expression that he's genuinely, he's taking a moment. We don't Ah. do that enough. I mean, that was actual, that was water that I have, that is accessible to us. I enjoyed that. Let's go again. Yeah. Mm. Jack, I I think you've already grown a lot in this session. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in this therapy session you have grown can I take some more of this water yes it's free, It's freely available miraculous. we take it for granted but it's freely available to everyone you can have as much water as we have and I think that might be all the water so I'm sorry I don't have more water for you I'm um, rushing it I'm rushing it again I put my I already like, this one already has some of my spittle in it so I'm not going to offer that to you but if we had more water, Jack, you could have all the water. That's all right. I'm happy with this water. Emphasis <laughs> on now. So are you doing a Q&A in front of a bunch of people tonight? Yes. Do you like speaking in front of people? If, if I feel like my head isn't made of cotton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like when I was in New York, I found a groove. Yeah. I'm hoping to if, if rekindle that groove somehow from here to there. And then, then I have a cocktail supper party. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to get some rest. I want you to enjoy the time you have off. Okay, mate. Get through all this shit. It'll be it'll be fine. You know, with the cottonhead thing, most of the cottonhead thing is 
you feel a little off, but then you're in your head going, I think I have cotton head. I think I have cotton head. And it actually creates more cotton head. Yeah. So if you can take a step back uh-huh. and take a breath yep. and just go, okay, it's going to be fine, mm-hmm. then it'll be fine. Cotton breeds cotton. Cotton breeds more cotton. It does. It does. I know Ignore. Saying. It's like a ghost in your head. If you ignore the ghost, it'll go away. We ignored that baby. Gone. Oh, baby. No more baby. I'm from Derby. I should be used to this. You should be used to this just... as the one Ghostbuster in Derby. Yeah. You of all people should understand. <laughs> But uh, uh, hey, man! Thank you. Oh my God! Please, of course. Congratulations on the movie. And you know what's fun? You know what's fun for me is the fact that you know I feel like we caught you on this show fairly early in your career. So it's it'll be exciting to see like where you go and the next thing you do. I'm gonna be looking out for you. Cool, man. So please come back anytime you want. All right, thank you. And have a safe trip uh, and enjoy uh, and say hello to Darby for me. Yes. And is the Darby medium still in town or is he... He, Well, he was never really based there. He was just working. That was his excursion that day. Yeah, he was just set. He he was there. He's from Liverpool, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing for work these days. There's just no more ghosts for him to... He 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 busted them all. <laughs> now the next time you see him, you need to kick him in the face and go, this is my town now. <laughs> you need to kick his ass back to Liverpool. Uh, congratulations on the movie. Thank you. And uh, when, does un- when, is it- when does Unbroken open? Christmas. So it was- oh, it opens Christmas Day. Oh, good day to go see a movie. I love going to see a movie on Christmas Day. Because it's nice, you know, it's like you open your gifts and then it's like, now what? You know, you got to go do something. Uh, no, well, there's the food. This is a cultural difference that we're getting into here. Uh oh. Well, when I heard the film was opening on Christmas Day, it was it was quite surprising to me because it's just not something we do. Yeah. It's like there's an excuse on Christmas to just eat and sleep. Yeah. And be in each other's company and doing so. You're never allowed to do that usually, but everyone's allowed like a nap. I think while you guys are are watching cinema, we're we're napping. Oh, you're napping. We're napping, getting ready for the game. We play a game in the evening. So are you worried that what's going to happen... So in, so in America, everyone's going to be at the cinema. In England, people might just sleep through the opening of Unbroken because it's it's, it's Christmas Day. No, that's, that's why we're opening on Boxing Day because... Boxing... Oh, very clever! Because, you know, everyone would be napping. <laughs> good news, good news. That is fucking amazing <laughs> that you had... that that The company had that much knowledge of their culture to be like, no one's going to go see this movie, everyone's going to be asleep, you know? <laughs> Christmas Day? You've gone bonkers. Uh, genius. All right, man. Congratulations. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.